Hey, this is Jeff Gannon, and you're listening to the Focus Compounding Podcast. This is the podcast where Andrew and I talk general investing concepts. To learn about specific stocks I like, go to focuscompoundinggazette.com. That's focuscompoundinggazette.com, and enter your email. Once you enter your email, you'll start getting one free 2,000-word stock write-up a week. Andrew and I also manage accounts for clients. To learn more about our managed accounts, email Andrew at info at focuscompounding.com or text or call Andrew at 469-207-5844. Now here's Andrew with your regularly scheduled podcast. We are back. How's everybody doing? Hope you are doing well. Andrew Kuhn, Focused Compounding. Mr. Jeff Gannon, how's it going today? It is going great, Andrew. How's it going with you? It is going great. We hope it's going great for everybody else. Let me get my timer up here. Okay, we're all good. We're just going to keep it rolling. (laughs) Hope it's going great for everybody else. If you are watching this on YouTube, be sure to give us a thumbs up and hit that subscribe button. That will notify you every time that we upload a podcast or video as we are pumping out three a week. Mm -hmm. Three a week. So we're doing, we're we're grinding away. Nothing to do with the videos. No, you're you're doing a good job. (laughs) You're doing a good job. And if you're watching this on uh, the podcast app on iTunes and you like the work we're doing, want to help us out, you can do so by free just by hitting that five stars and giving us maybe a a review that helps spread the word, Mm -hmm. helps Jeff and myself out. Uh, So for today, we're going to be going over, I just finished the book, uh, which was based on your recommendation, There's Always Something to Do. Right. And it's about Peter Condell. Mm -hmm. And that's his last name, right? (laughs) (laughs) We were saying before, like, I think that's how you pronounce his last name. And um, in the book, he gives certain qualities uh, that he thinks uh, make up a great investor. So I'm going to read them off and then you could tell me your thoughts on them. Yeah, we should say the book is sort of like based on his journal. So it was after yeah. he died, so on, uh, had written the book. Yeah, and it's a and great it, book. It's based heavily on his journals. He did like journaling of his investments. They call him the Warren Buffett of Canada. Yeah. So it's a, it is a very good book and has a lot of these sorts of things in it. And so these are just some of your favorite ones, right? Yeah. Well, yeah. I'm going to read off all of the okay. qualities and all we right. could just talk about it. Yeah. So the first one is insatiable curiosity. Okay. What did he say about that? I'm not going to. I mean, I mean you I'm not read the whole thing. I'm not going to read the whole thing. But I mean, so he just meant. Besides just investing things or investing things or business in general? Or business in general. Everything. Curiosity to shoot investors have like this crazy... How do you nurture that? Yeah. I think it's very, very important. Uh-huh. It, in fact, it may be... It's the thing that surprised me the most when mm-hmm. people talk about a stock. Yeah. They're not that interested in learning as much about it as you would think they should be. Okay. That's the number one. Like I suggest something about how they should research it. They don't want to do it. Mm-hmm. We've talked th- about this before, but I was like... You know, so like, the but I don't know. Do you think people don't know even even know like what that means to be curious? Which I, I understand. Um, what I I get it, like what curious means. Everyone listening mm-hmm. knows about what it means to be curious, right? Okay, for curious George. Right. But but like for example, like doing research, right? It's like being curious enough to think about, like for example, you like looking at satellite images of the HQ or the town, or yeah. learning about the town, or learning about the people that live there, or the history, or, or the, the history, whatever. Yeah. yeah, what what the draws people, people involved? There. Yeah. So uh-huh. you find people's names and stuff, and then you find out about. Read articles on them. Yeah. Yeah. No, I'm surprised how much people aren't interested in those things. So I don't know why they're not. <laughs> and I don't know how you how you get that curiosity. Yeah. Some of them are just I mean, you know, Buffett going to Geico yeah. was just because it was Ben Graham was the chairman. Mm-hmm. So he just wanted to learn everything about something that Ben Graham uh knew about and stuff. Um because, you know, that's just something that he would do. Mm-hmm. Um I think that uh yeah. I, it's hard to explain why people aren't more curious. But I'm saying, and though, I think do people know how to be a good analyst? Like, do good research, though. You, do you think there's a difference <laughs> between that? Maybe. I, th- I think they're trying to be a good analyst and not just being curious. Sometimes. I think they're trying to p- present the sort of analysis that a lot of people do. Yeah. That, for some reason, they think that there's, like, these lines, which are, this is how you do investment research. Yeah. And then this is how someone would actually maybe learn about the business or something. We talked about, like, acting like a journalist, you know, which Buffett talked about all the time to yeah. research things. But, um... 
Yeah, I don't you know. Like, for instance, I don't know why they don't look up everything about the people involved. So you have a 10K or, or a proxy statement that will be uh, the other way that companies could do it, where they show who are the major shareholders and stuff. And I'm surprised when I ever, anyone, like, I mentioned something to them and they didn't know where the person lived. Mm -hmm. um, I don't mean that they don't need to know their exact address. <laughs> okay. But I mean, we're live, the, right? the, the, the fact that, um, you know, like I'll mention, so, you know, where I was talking with someone, I was like, so, you know, they use an auditor that's from a completely different state or whatever. Yeah. And they didn't notice that. But I mean, it's in the thing where the auditor's from and, you, you know, those sorts of things. Or the audit thing where they don't look at the PCAOB um, mm -hmm. report. Um, like you said, uh, satellite images and things sure. like that. Yeah. But just in, in terms of how does a business work? Yeah. Um, even some businesses that we've never invested in or whatever, it's interesting to learn about how it works, how they make the decisions that they do, people inside of it, and, and things like that. And I think that's useful. I, a big thing is you can just go about your day learning more about the businesses, just even thinking about them, wondering about them that you encounter every day. Mm -hmm. um, most people don't do that. So you're probably going to a bunch of different businesses. Many of them are publicly traded, and even those that aren't are connected in some way, and never asking why is, um, why is a grocery store laid out the way it is? Mm -hmm. Why are the shelves the way it, they are? Um, you can learn a lot by going in and an aisle, like real life. in an aisle, looking at the names of the companies in terms of the in the packages, how few there are, mm -hmm. and uh, what shelf space they have and stuff, where that's uh, presented and things like that. I mean, we've talked about Hostess brands before. One of the things that really surprised me talking to some people is Walmart's one of the biggest customers. There was some information about Walmart changing yeah. some things and whatever, right? And they but have you gone to a Walmart? Well, they didn't go to Walmart and see what, what we're talking about, yeah, where yeah. the displays were, uh -huh. where where it normally is displayed, sure. and where they might have moved it to, yeah. and and all those sorts of things. Like so doing the scuttlebutt. Yeah, sometimes there's sort of channel checking things of like going and saying, oh, well, I think they moved it here compared to where it used to be or something. But why is it in the places that it is? You mm -hmm. know, is it sold like a, a um, impulse buy or whatever? Does it have... Um, does it is it on corners that are popular in terms of a, how a supermarket is laid out and stuff? Are the things at eye level stuff like that? Um, I recommended a book to you, uh, Quench Your Own Thirst, and he talks a lot in that one. That's the founder of Boston Beer about how important it was for them and what positioning they got, sure. getting eye level positioning and stuff in different stores and stuff like that. And that's incredibly important. Sure. The, you know, the beer was the same regardless, but they sold a lot more when they were able to get that from people. So. I'm, yeah, I mean, it's just that curiosity of all those things. And, you know, Buffett and Munger are obviously curious about Munger about everything, but Buffett about anything having to do with business, certainly. Mm -hmm. Yeah. That was good. That was good. <laughs> patience. Do, how important patience do you think is the virtue? patience is in, va in value investing or investing generally? I think it's, it's... You read the book, so you could see how patient he was. Yeah. He was incredibly patient. Yeah, like, yeah. he shorted um, Japan... I think a lot of people, they confuse, though, patience with um, activity. And what okay. I mean by that is you could be very patient when it comes to your portfolio, but along the lines, you're still learning about a bunch of different companies. Right. So it's almost like, yes, there may not be actual activity in the portfolio, and you're being patient, but you're still doing a lot of work during that time. Yeah, we do as much work when we change positions as not. Mm -hmm. But, I mean, having the patience to let the ideas work out, you know, I think is great. But I think also if you... Um, maybe it's different in our situation because a lot of the companies that we have, that we go in the actual business, the business underlying business fundamentals like generate a lot of returns. Okay. So the you know you think that the the stock's right, gonna follow that over time as well. You know. So things. maybe it's yeah. instead of it being more of like a financial thing, we're actually buying businesses where it, they generate strong returns. So we're kind of just waiting and you know yeah. sitting there like that. But, but uh, a lot of investors are uh, less patient 
than you'd think. I mean, we've talked about it sometimes with people were surprised even buying things that are illiquid or whatever, that yeah. their, their motive is really that they want to see a returning in the next year or two or whatever. And, um, you know, uh, that's great when it happens because you get a much higher return than you otherwise would. Sure. But you can't go in with that assumption. I mean, we never go in with the assumption that we're going to own this for less than five years. We hope that, yeah, it'll make all the return we expect in five years next year. Yeah. yeah. Six and then months. We'll, yeah, and then we'll have an amazing annualized return. But that's not what you go into it with. And I, I mean, lots of stocks people sell out for no reason except that they've owned it for a while. Sure. Mm-hmm. And we've talked about some of those before. But just there's a constant... Uh, turnover in who which value investors own it but they each buy it nothing happens with it for a year or two and they sell out even though nothing's changed be uh because you know they've decided that it's dead money or whatever and you see that a lot what does patience mean to you uh yeah i mean i the the biggest thing with letting letting it work out or i mean just letting the thesis play out or not not changing not changing things just for activity's sake yeah because you get bored yeah Mm mm-hmm I mean, because you get bored or because something, sometimes it's because something's gone. Because you never go broke taking a profit. Exactly. Yeah. It's not the dumbest line ever. (laughs) Gosh. So so anytime someone says that, they want to bash my head through the wall. Yeah. And so we own some stocks, I can say, that people have suggested to me several times, why didn't you sell at a certain point or whatever? And we've owned some, we own one of probably our biggest holding, um, went up uh, a bunch went down almost back to where we bought it from and went up a bunch again. And people talked to me both times about it and stuff. And so it's true. Yeah, you could have sold it in between. Um, I mean, I didn't know it was going to go up and then down like that. Yeah. But yeah, you could have sold it in between or or sold it at an earlier point and you wouldn't have missed out on that much. If you caught the right peak, you could have sold it a year or so ago or whatever. But um, but the return is fine over a couple of years and I still like it. So that's why I don't sell it. Yeah. I mean, you know, sometimes you, people think it's a good time to get out. That's and they right. might be right. But I try not to do that. I don't – I try not to sell and stuff because I think now's a great time to yeah. get out. Like, you only do it if you have a new idea. Yeah, that's it. Um, next one, concentration. Yeah, so in uh, so I'm trying to remember this one. Did he mean concentration in terms of focus? Focus, yeah. Yeah, yeah. And block out distractions. Yeah, yeah. No, that's the most important. I don't know if it's the most important. I think we were saying everyone is the most important. We're yeah. <laughs> like, yeah, curiosity is the most important. But, yeah. but uh, focus is really important. Yeah. Like, and this know. is, and I he mean, wrote, we and call we, the thing focus compounding yeah. for a reason. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, attention to detail. Yes, that's very important. Uh huh. Yeah. Read I, the footnotes. Yeah, well, we always read the footnotes. I mean, th- that's a funny thing about it. People talk about them as footnotes. Yeah. Um, most of the financials are footnotes, sure. and that's what you're reading. So yeah. most of what you're actually reading is the footnotes, yeah. Uh, and those are very important, yeah. Calculated risk. Yes, that's also important, too. <laughs> no, it's all very important. I, I mean, that's tr- it is true, because here's the thing. Well, y- you're going to have to uh, – Buffett talked about this, about being um, conservative – without being conventional. So Buffett was willing to be cons- conservative without being conventional. And I think if that's what we're talking about with like calculated risk, that makes a lot of sense. Uh, you have to be willing to do things that, that certainly others seem risky and that you don't know exactly how you're going to make a return in it. Um, but that if, after you've done the calculation, that you've decided that it will pay off, then you act in a big way. Sure, when you do yeah. the work. Do the work. Yeah, after required. you've done the work. Yeah, because yeah. it says be prepared to take risks, but never gamble. Yeah, well, I mean, you could... We don't keep a b- bunch of money in cash and stuff. When we have an idea that makes sense, then we put a lot of money to work in that idea. Yeah. Because he's saying um, value investors are often perceived to be taking the safe investment route, and that's true. 
but the time scales required for the value investor can be contradictory. Okay. Um, next, independence of mind. Uh, that could be important. What are your thoughts on that? Um, I guess I think that's pretty important. Well, I've said before, um, I would be cautious with sharing investment ideas with other people. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm not ca- don't be cautious about sharing investment ideas with other people if you're not going to buy the idea. But um, be cautious about things that you're s- haven't come to a conclusion on yeah. yet. Yeah, but you've also spoken about how many times have you read a thesis and mm. they say why they're not investing in it, and you're like, well, actually, I don't think that's that important, and you like that's do more research on the how I find ideas. <laughs> I mean, that's I you technically I doing mean, that. Yeah. I don't know that that's the only way. Yeah, but a lot. No, no, no. A bunch of the stocks that we own, I think that's what happened. Yeah. Um, I can think of one or two where it, they said no, it's good. But yeah, um, we. Yeah, I mean, I can think right now somewhere they liked everything about the company. They didn't like the price. And I looked at it and I said, price is okay. I agree with them about everything with the company and th- then bought it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I think that's important. Uh, I mean, it's complicated with value investors because I see this thing all the time where value investors say they're going against the crowd and stuff. Yeah. They, but they tend to mean the overall crowd. But then when it comes to the actual value investors, they're, have you noticed this, where they're going very much with all the other value oh, investors? Oh, yeah, sure. Oh, yeah, okay. Yeah. Yeah. They're all in crowds. I mean, you read yeah, on, like, so Corner Berkshire, and they're all... Yeah, so know. I just mean, it's a thing that you see um, where, yeah, they're going against the overall crowd, I guess, but of the, the sect that they're part of, um, they're often in agreement with people. Sure. So, like, they yeah. all seem to like the same sorts of stocks at the same time uh-huh. that way, yeah. Or following Buffett or people like that, mm-hmm. um, which I think can be useful. And, um, you, But it's not a good reason to buy a stock is because someone else um, likes it. Yeah. Yeah. But it, it is a way that I get a lot of ideas. So, yeah, I would say that that's true. Uh, coming to a different conclusion about the same stock. Humility. I, Being humble. I guess that's important. He thought that was important. I can think of some good investors who that. I don't know that Warren Buffett is humble. I'm sure Charlie Munger's not humble. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I mean, about investing stuff. Yeah, uh-huh. he, he's you know. So I don't know. I mean, I guess he is in the sense that it's like Warren Buffett, in the sense that he doesn't make predictions about things he doesn't know anything about and stuff yeah. like that. Uh-huh. But I don't think about the stuff he does know. He's particularly humble. Mm-hmm. Like he doesn't, he doesn't care what anybody else thinks. He obviously trusts his own judgment over right. anybody else's. Yeah, yeah I sure. think he definitely trusts his own judgment over everyone else's. Uh-huh. Well, uh, we talked about Alice Schroeder. Um, she repeats many times that he says that, you know, um, he looks in the mirror and everyone's had their say for the day. Yeah. You know? So, <laughs> <laughs> so when you want to ask who he takes advice from, she said he doesn't take advice. <laughs> so I don't know about humility that way. Um, maybe a sense of what he's... Um, you know, what he knows and what he doesn't know. Certainly, he talks a lot about circle competence and things like that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But, I mean, what is he talking about specifically with humanity? I'm sure it's as, has uh, what I'm talking about that, that way. Yeah. Circle competence. Well, what do you think? Do you think it's that investors who are humble are more successful? I mean, I mean yeah. I mean, I think it's humble. So, one of my favorite um, podcasts we had was actually um, Samir Patel, right? And I, I think okay. I asked him what advice he would give to investors. And mm-hmm. he said, to really think long and hard if you're seeing the world or the situation for the way that it is or the way that you want to see it. Oh, yeah. And I think a lot of times people fall into the camp of seeing situations for the way that they want to see it. Mm-hmm. So I think if you're humble, you may look at it from a different perspective for the way that it is. Yeah. Instead of the way that you want to frame it or the yeah, way you want to see it. So important. if it comes to like investing, for example, if the facts change, you probably should start to change your mind. Yeah. You know, on certain things. That's absolutely true. Yeah. 
And that's a hard thing for a lot of people to do. So, yeah, yeah. that's true. I mean, saying that you made a mistake or something like that. Uh-huh. And Buffett's certainly willing to do that um, in plenty of things. So. Yeah, I think Ackman said that, um, you know, investing is having the confidence to know that you're right and the rest of the world is wrong, but also mm-hmm. having humility to know when you made a mistake and, you know, shift yeah, gears. that's true. So, um, next, routines. Yeah, we had a whole podcast about that, didn't we? It says routines and discipline go hand in hand. Mm-hmm. Very true. Very disciplined. And, you know, person. even in that Alice Schroeder in the last podcast we talked about, her talking about Buffett, mm-hmm. she was talking about just how much of a routine and creature of a habit that um, that Buffett is in, right, mm-hmm. and how much discipline he has to kind of, like, continue to get better every single day. Yeah, and a big thing that's difficult uh, doing the kind of investing we do is having a routine where you're constantly looking for new ideas all the time and finding nothing that you decide to buy. Yeah, I mean, that's related to the patience thing, too. We decide not to buy for a long time, and it can be hard for people to do that where you put in the work every day and don't buy anything. You have nothing to show for it, Yeah, but we do that all the time. Uh-huh. And certainly, yeah, that's common for value investors, I'd say. What's this next one, the Latin? Uh, sound mind and a sound body. Sound mind, sound body. Okay. What, what are your opinions on that? <laughs> uh, well, we've, we talked about this before in the bench pressing uh, episode. Um, <laughs> this is one where, where Peter and I and Andrew and I perhaps disagree. Um, yeah, you can see the difference from the video feed there. Uh, I, I, no, I don't put a pr- high priority on sound body. You do. You find that going to the gym helps. Yeah. He found that running every day helped. Yeah, sure. Yeah. Um, how does it help? I mean, I think, if, I think if I just work out every single day, it just gets me ready for the day. But I'm just in a yeah. habit of doing it, honestly. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I feel like if I have, if I feel comfortable or like I feel healthy, that only helps me out in every other area of my life. Yeah, you know, so, that doesn't mean true. you're gonna be a better investor or make a better decision or anything. But it just yeah, I mean, mentally, if, I generally if you look enjoy at val- investors generally. I don't know if they're particularly fit, but <laughs> yeah. but um, <laughs> but they might be. He certainly was. Um, yeah, and it helps some you people. You think Buffett's healthy? <laughs> I don't think he exercised at all until his 80s, as really? far as I know. Really? I think, yeah, probably his 80s. I think I remember it's something extraordinary about extraordinary in many ways, I think. Yeah. Um, but uh, one of the Berkshire managers is a big runner, I remember. Uh, I can't Ted. remember who. Is that right? Yeah, yeah. Okay, they yeah, said yeah. he ran, like, every day for, like, 20 years or something yeah. crazy like so that. So running and stuff, that's a big discipline thing, and that might be part of it, too. Yeah, I and think I think a lot of people, of it. that's what it, it's, the, it's the discipline, really. Yeah, that, they that's why it. they like doing it. You know, yeah. It's really like, well, I'm just going to do uh, it. Yeah, and, and you certainly need discipline it. in investing, yeah. Uh-huh. Yeah. And it really, it just carries over into other areas of your life. That's why I think a lot of people enjoy doing stuff like yeah. that, you know? Yeah, that makes sense. Skepticism. Um... Are you skeptic? Skepticism. Yeah. Okay. Skepticism is important. Yes. I would agree with that. I would definitely agree with that. Is that where you just question yeah, things I, there, a lot? Yeah. There's a bunch of things that be based in fact, not, you know, like I think Buffett's the one that, or people talk about Buffett. Actually, they say, watch what he does, not what he says. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, I think skepticism is important. Um, yeah, I actually think skepticism is very important as if you can separate sort of skepticism from pessimism and stuff. Uh-huh. I mean, the original meaning of skepticism in terms of the Greek philosophy was, uh, <laughs> and, you know, <laughs> questioning that you can know what you know, basically, uh-huh. you know? Um, and I think that's very, very helpful, questioning, like, the things that you already know. Sure, so yeah. basically, like, Buffett, all his beliefs about Ben Graham and stuff, questioning yeah. those. Well, it's like Munger says, all of them. destroying your already... Yes. Convicted beliefs. Yeah. And yeah. Munger gives that example about, um, uh, uh, yeah, exactly that quote. Um, 
And yeah, that's very useful. And I think that's very helpful. Yeah, and I've tried to do that in some cases I can think of where um, uh, the big one that I remember writing about was the cell decisions in the past. Yeah. The cell decisions mm-hmm. add or anything. And looking back at the last uh, 17 years or something and saying, you know, did they really? And that's a difficult thing to do because, of course, people assume that they're, you know, if their results overall were good or whatever, then yeah. each of the things that they did must have contributed to that. And it may be that just like what stocks you picked or what price you bought them at or something was all the key to the success or your timing if you're a different kind of investor or something. Uh, in my case, the decision to sell the stocks um, wasn't helpful. Once I bought it, the right stock, it didn't help at all that my timing and selling it was successful at all. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I mean, what do you, is skepticism important? I mean, I think you should question things. I think it should be based in fact, like I said, instead of, I mean, for example, if, if um, you know, management makes certain promises, right? We're very how, skeptical of management things. Yeah, I mean, yeah. how, how, how have they been in the past with that? What's their track record with that? That's true. We're extremely um, skeptical about management stuff. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, personal responsibility? Yeah, well, that's he's basically saying that you made the mistake and not the yeah. market or anything. Yeah, I believe uh-huh. in that 100%. Yeah. And I think most people blame everything else. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the, market went, the market was because, well, one it thing they blame the all part. the time is management. I hear that all yeah, the time where sure. they're like, well, they messed it up and yeah. that's why the, yeah, yeah, the yeah. company did badly. Okay, well, you, but management may have messed up the uh, business performance, but you messed up in buying the stock thing. Sure. sure. Uh-huh. Yeah. No, I mean, I could say that. I could complain that, oh, Barnes & Noble, the reason it wasn't a successful investment for me was that the Riggios uh, ran in a certain way or something. Mm-hmm. But that's not the way that I look at it. My job in picking the stock and stuff was to anticipate those sort of things. So I don't think of it that way. Um, yeah, same thing with Weight Watchers or something. I've talked about other stocks where that's true. I, you never blame management for those things. And some things you have are bad luck or whatever, too, that yeah. can happen. But um, you also have a lot of good luck, and you have to remember those things because yeah, no one uh, likes to. Yeah, no, I've said in Weight Watchers example that you know while there might have been bad luck about some things, there was certainly good luck in that it didn't. Uh, I didn't own that stock and have problems that it had during any sort of um, uh, financial um, problems in terms of getting credit. Sure, it happened yeah. during loose credit because they had a ton of debt, and you know if that had coincided with tight credit, they never would have been able to refinance things and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. So in many ways, I was uh, luckier that way. And uh, Barnes and Noble, I mentioned. Uh, I sold, that was a sell decision that did add value because I sold pretty quickly after it became clear what the company was going to do, that sure. they were going to invest a lot in Nook. Yeah, yeah. And once I did that, I sold at a small loss or whatever. Yeah. And uh, the stock obviously went down a lot after that. And you've, you've talked about before that whenever you do like kind of abruptly sell, mm-hmm. right, it's usually because of capital allocation. Man, yeah. comes out and says something, you're like, uh, yeah. Well, you can imagine totally that fine. I yeah. did not expect a um, brick and mortar bookseller in whatever year that was to suddenly pour the amount of money that they did into into the nook you know yeah. to compete with kindle to i mean a retail if a retailer of you know um what whatever thing that you could imagine this is said that we're now going to spend most of our capex stuff on you know some new technology product yeah, sure you could imagine that you yeah. know <laughs> that wasn't something that i predicted um how aggressively they go into it i predicted that you know i mean i, I knew that they were going to do something that all booksellers and stuff would do some things where they talk about that and stuff but i certainly didn't imagine that it would be as big as it was um and so that was a mistake and then once they start doing that you have to sell because that changed the you know, we talked about cat risk. That changed sure. the catastrophe yeah. risk there of it going to zero. It changed it dramatically. Mm-hmm. Before then, although they had um, the risk of shrinking each year, there was no way they were going to have free cash flow generated by the stores year after year. Once they were going to spend all of that on a, a new product, then that changed it completely. Yeah. Last one, reading again. He says there's a few books that you should read and read over again. Well, I agree with that. There's very few books that are worth reading over yeah. again. Um, uh I don't know which books he picked, but 
I can uh, say some that I think are worth reading again. Which ones would you give? Well, first of all, I would say that actually um, uh, there's always something to do is a good book to reread again. Just because for if you want like you know how people like um, uh, inspirational books and things like that. <laughs> if you're an investor, <laughs> yeah, that sure. is what that yeah. book is. Well, that's why you. I like Snowball. Yeah, is is I just and I like going back to the early. Buffett partnership days. Mm-hmm. That's my favorite part of the book for inspirational purposes. Yeah. And it's like, okay, he's kind of going through the same thing and right. blah, blah, blah. Yeah. yeah. No. Um, so, uh, but, but I mean, it, for me, you know, Ben Graham, Phil Fisher, Warren Buffett is, yeah. is it? And Joel Greenblatt, which we yeah. don't talk enough about in terms of how much that's my favorite book. Sure. Yeah. Um, though there are others that are like, that I like that have sort of case studies of things and stuff. There's not ones that I would reread all that much. Um, yeah. In terms of the investment ones that I reread, I think that's it. Um, oh, Peter Lynch. Peter mm-hmm. Lynch. So I have re- reread Peter Lynch, um, Warren Buffett through the snowball and the other biographies, and um, uh, and Joel Greenblatt, definitely. Yeah. I would say Poor Charlie's Almanac. Yeah. That's Poor Charlie's Almanac is a good one. Yeah. To reread. That is a very good one to reread. Um, you could be Stock Market Genius. Um, yeah. But Poor Charlie's Almanac, I think, is definitely You're not the a most Ben Graham book. fan. <laughs> Reading the Ben <laughs> Graham books. Uh, how about Phil Fisher? Yeah, no, I like Phil Fisher. Stuff. You like Phil Fisher, yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So that that one impresses me more sometimes when I read it. What I about his son, so Ken more. Fisher? <laughs> 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 I told you before he read. He wrote a lovely forward to one of the Phil Fisher books. We'll stop right there. That is the last one. I want to thank everybody so much for tuning in. Follow me on YouTube. Follow me on Twitter. Pumping out tons of content. Doing the work for you guys. If you want to support us, give us a thumbs up, rating, review, subscribe, all the above. If you want to meet with us when we're in New York, your prospective investor, when we're in New York. Um, well, the week hopefully of, you'll be there too. Yeah, hopefully you'll be there too. <laughs> a week of September 16th. Thank yeah. you so much, everybody, for tuning in. We'll see you in the next podcast. Take care. Hey, this is Jeff Gannon, and that was the Focus Compounding Podcast, the podcast where Andrew and I talk general investing concepts. To learn about specific stocks I like, go to focuscompoundinggazette.com. That's focuscompoundinggazette.com, and enter your email. Once you enter your email, you'll start getting one free 2,000-word stock write-up a week. Andrew and I also manage accounts for clients. To learn more about our managed accounts, email Andrew at info at focuscompounding.com or text or call Andrew at 469-207-5844. Thanks for listening.